Welcome and thank you for visiting the 12 Tribes of Israel congregation. You can reach us at our website, 12t.co or riseisrael.com. If you have any questions, give us a call at our toll-free number, which is 888-447-1695. Or you can email us at scribe at riseisrael.com. In our last recording, we mentioned how we will be going over how voting is a sin. Most of our people in this time period feel like they must vote because they don't want Trump in office. And a lot of our people claim to be Christian, but they don't follow the Bible. They don't follow the instructions of the scriptures or the laws that the Heavenly Father gave us. They really don't have faith in the Most High. When reading our history, we see that every empire that has existed came to be because the Heavenly Father wanted it to be so. From ancient times, the Most High have been prophesying of different kingdoms that will come. When it comes to voting, voting comes from the idea of democracy. And we are taught in schools that democracy started in Greece. But when you look at the history of democracy and you look at the beginning of the Greek Empire, which started with Alexander, Alexander was not an elected official. Alexander was a king. And he was someone that the Heavenly Father spoke of before he was even born in prophecy. And as time went on in the kingdom of the Greeks, which was divided into four, it was not ruled by elected officials. It was ruled by kings. Each empire was ruled by one of his generals that he appointed and they set crowns upon themselves and became kings. The history that we're told of democracy being something that came from Greece and something that is good because it means that the, the people get to choose is really a lie. Democracy doesn't really exist at all. You might go to ballots and put your votes, but your votes is not really electing the person that will be the president or will be the vice president or whatever. That's something that you have to keep in mind. So a lot of our people that do vote, they get their hopes destroyed. And even when they do vote and they think that their vote actually had an effect, like when Obama became president, people thought that their votes counted. And the reason they did that is because you had that George Bush era where people knew that their votes didn't mean anything, where they were counting the votes and they found out that the popular vote doesn't matter. People felt helpless because they were going to the ballots and still a president that they did not want was in office. To get you to vote, they gave you this black face. But did that change the way that our people are living? Did that make, because his whole campaign was about change. Did they give us justice? Did they change from being a country that used to be racist to non-racist? I don't think so. As soon as Obama came into office, racism increased even more. You have to understand, people, that if you are a believer of the scriptures, if you're a believer of God, there's no kingdom. There's no elected official that is put into any position without the Most High's command, without the Most High making it so. So in the book of Romans, chapter 13 and verse 1, this is the so-called New Testament. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The higher powers is talking about governments. 
As long as we're in captivity, we have to obey the laws of the land. That does not mean that you obey the government above God. For example, we were going over the census in the last recording. That's something that is required by law. But the law of God says we cannot participate in it. Are we breaking this scripture? No. When the scripture says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, that means that you're not going to be a criminal. You're not going to be one that robs, that steals, that kills. One that is breaking essentially the commandments of God. But this is the point of why we came to the scripture. Because it says there is no power but of God. What does it mean there is no power but of God? Meaning there is no government that has existed that came to be on its own. Every single government, every single country, every single kingdom or empire existed because the Heavenly Father commanded it to be so. Like, look at Egypt that had us in slavery, ancient Egypt. The Mosai said in the scriptures that he was the one that raised them up to such great height, to such great power, so that he could smash them into pieces and make an example out of them. We're going to read that in a second because that's important for you to realize. As we read on, though, in this verse, it says, the powers that be, the governments that exist, are ordained of God. So when Obama was president, it wasn't your votes. It was God that made it happen. When Trump was elected president, it definitely was not your votes. He didn't even have the popular votes. How did he get in office? By the electoral votes, which means it's something that you don't control. And you're thinking that you're selecting a person to be your president, to be essentially the leader of your country. You have to remember that if you are a believer of God, this is not your country. If you're a believer of God, you understand that this kingdom is Satan's kingdom. So who are you picking? <laughs> you're not picking a person that was that is righteous. You're not picking anyone that's really going to look out for our people and guide us into the kingdom of the Most High. You're not getting a leader that's going to be in righteousness. What you're getting is two evil people being presented to you. And this is what you have to realize. You have to realize that your leader, which is Christ, he has eternal life. Christ died on the cross for you, but then he resurrected three days later. His disciples saw him alive after he resurrected. He is our leader. He's the one that really has the power. The Most High gave him power over all principalities, over all governments, over all power. As it is right now, we are under this captivity, under Babylon the Great Whore, which God prophesied thousands of years ago. And Christ is making sure that the prophecies come to pass. Eventually, in due time, his kingdom will be established right here on earth. In fact, as we speak, his kingdom is being established on earth. Don't forget, there's no power but of God. The powers that be ordained of God. In the same book of Romans, we're going to go to Romans chapter 9 to read about what God said of Pharaoh in Egypt, which backs up what we read in Romans 13. And verse 17, it says, for the scriptures say it, meaning that Paul is quoting the book of Exodus. For the scriptures saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I, 
raise thee up. Egypt didn't become great because they had smart engineers and math and astronomy was their thing. No, it was the Most High who raised Egypt up to such great power. Who gave Pharaoh the dream about the seven years of famine and the seven years of plenty? Wasn't it the Lord? Who sent the children of Israel into Egypt to give wisdom unto the Egyptians? Wasn't it the Lord? Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. How did he show his power? The plagues. The Most High gave Egypt ten plagues and destroyed them. They were never able to recover into the same power that they had before. That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And to this very day, everyone speaks of the Exodus. How we came out of Egypt, how the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea. Let's prove through the Spirit of the Lord that Christ who died and resurrected was seen of his disciples for many days. Go into the book of Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 3. Acts chapter 1 and 3 to show you through the Spirit of the Lord that Christ died on the cross. Resurrected three days later. His disciples saw him after he resurrected. Not for one day, not for two days, but for many days was he with them, showing them that he was indeed alive. And you got to remember that the way Christ died was horrible. Not only did he get beat before he was crucified, but he also had the hands and his feet pierced. It makes it very difficult for you to breathe while you're on the cross. Then he was pierced with a spear on his side. And the scripture says that water and blood came out, meaning that for a fact he was dead. It is known that when a person has blood and water, first the water shoots out and the blood comes after, that represents that they are dead. In the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. And what I mean by after his passion, meaning after being crucified, after having the nails being put through his hands and feet, after being pierced on his side, which was an evident show that he really died. The people witnessed his body being in a grave for three days, and the grave was closed with a big stone. And they put a seal upon it so that no one would go in there and remove his body and pretend that he was what? Alive. That stone was rolled by an angel. And people literally got to see him alive. It says, and showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Christ showed evidence that he had eternal life. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days. That's more than a month. He spent more than a month with them, teaching them the scriptures about the kingdom of the Most High, how it's going to be established. And even after, people like Paul that were not of the apostles at that time, he was able to see Christ also with his own eyes and speak with him. So we have to understand that we do have a leader. When you're voting, what you're doing is breaking the law and forgetting that you have a king that God set up. Remember what we read in Romans, 
all powers that be are ordained of God. So let's go to the law. To the law that shows us that voting is a sin. We're reading from Deuteronomy chapter 17, and we're going to begin in verse 14. Deuteronomy 17 and 14, it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt possess it. The Heavenly Father made a promise to our forefather Abraham and showed him the land of Canaan. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land and said that this land was going to be given to him and to his descendants once they come out of Egypt. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And when they were being brought out, Moses is telling them, look, we're going to go there and we're going to possess it. To possess it meant that the Canaanites will have to be kicked out and they will take their place. And shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Now one problem that the children of Israel had, that the Heavenly Father told us about, and even warned us in the law, is that we should not copy the other nations. What does that mean? Their customs, their governments, their laws, their habits, we should not follow after them. And the reason why is because the other nations did not have wisdom. At this time, the nation of Israel had no king. Moses was not a king. Moses was the leader of the nation of Israel in a priesthood, but not as a king. Who was our leader all this time? Who was the one that was our king? Our king was the Heavenly Father, the Most High. Our government was not a democracy. There was no elected officials by voting. The Heavenly Father raised up certain men to be our leaders. But all the time, the people understood that God himself was our king. When you look at the word democracy, it has two Greek words. Demos and krasi or kratia in the Greek. Demos means the people. Krasi means rule. The idea is that the majority are supposed to rule. If everybody agrees, it's great. but Guess what? When it's the majority rules, that means that there are going to be some people that do not agree with the decision, but they have no choice but to follow the decision of the majority. That is not a just and right way to live our lives. Imagine if the majority agreed to continue slavery. That's democracy. Nowadays, everybody, oh, that's evil, that's evil, that's evil. But what if some people start changing their minds and the majority say, well, let's vote that in. This is how we're going to fix the trillions of dollars that we owe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At that point, you will realize that democracy is not good. If democracy was something good and something that this government was really based on, it's democracy that's keeping those Jim Crow laws to continue and the injustice that is happening to our people. The majority do not rule. It's a small minority that has a control of the majority and they are using this idea to trick you into thinking that you are self-governing yourself see with us with israel we know that our father is our god he governs our life our bodies and our spirits belong to him we were created by him therefore we are here to please him that's the conclusion of the purpose of man being on earth but as he said the children of Israel wanted to make themselves a king, not just once or twice, like three times, seeking a leader and making them 
their king. To give you an example, we're going to go to the book of Judges. And we're going to Judges chapter 8. And verse 22, it says, The men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also. In other words, they wanted Gideon to become a king. Because when you have a king and he dies, his son will inherit the position. Here it is that they're asking Gideon to rule. And they said, look, once you're gone, your son will rule. And once your son is gone, then your son's son, meaning it will continually be a kingship through his household. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon was a good leader. Gideon was a judge in the nation of Israel that helped to save them from the slavery of the Midianites, which today will be considered Arabs. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. You hear what Gideon said? I will not rule over you. What? What man in his right mind will not want to be king? An Israelite man that has the mindset of the Lord. I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. In other words, Gideon corrected them and reminded them, no, the one that rules over all of us is the Most High. And he kept it that way. Because in his mind, he knew that the Lord existed. He seen the Heavenly Father give them the salvation. He knew that it wasn't by his own power that they were delivered from the Midianites. He knew that the Heavenly Father was with him. And with the very few men, which were 300, like the movie 300, <laughs> the very few men he was able to deliver, save Israel from the Midianites, which were oppressing them and making sure that the children of Israel would stay in poverty. They would burn their fields and do horrible things to them. Gideon knew the Lord. He is our God. He is our king and he is our leader. Yet the Heavenly Father knows how the children of Israel is. So therefore in the law he wrote, you will at one point ask for a king. You will ask to be like the other nations. And that happened in the time period of Samuel. The children of Israel requested of Samuel the prophet that they have a king. Now when they chose a king, did they vote for it? Let's go to 1 Samuels chapter 8. 1 Samuels 8 and 4 says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. So this is the elders, the leaders of the people. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. In other words, Samuel was a righteous prophet, but his sons who he brought up, they were not righteous like him. They were wicked. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now make us a king to judge us. Judges means to lead us to rule over us, and to also give us justice. And what they said? Like unto all nations. Just like the Heavenly Father predicted in the time period of Moses. It says here in verse 6, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken, meaning listen, unto the voice of the people and all that they say. Samuel was not happy with the fact that the people wanted a king. Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but
but they have rejected me, that it should not reign over them. Samuel was upset, but the Heavenly Father already knew that this is how the people of Israel were going to be. For that reason, the Heavenly Father already had, since the beginning, since Genesis, spoken to us about Christ. Because he knew that the people will need a leader, that they will need a king. He said, look, they didn't reject you, Samuel. They rejected me, that I should not reign over them. That means that the government of Israel was never, never a democracy. And the future of this world, the government will not be a democracy. If you're seeking to make it to the kingdom, you should start changing the way you think. And understand that God is the one that governs in the kingdoms of men. We have to realize that now before Christ comes back. Because when you're voting, what you're doing is breaking very basic laws. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 17 and verse 15. Back in Deuteronomy 17 and 15, it says, Thou shalt any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. So even at that time, when they chose a king, it wasn't through voting. It wasn't through ballots. The first king that the Heavenly Father chose for the nation of Israel, his name was Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. And the funny thing is when he was chosen, the people were like, this guy? This guy? That's the one you chose? They were not happy. <laughs> and then eventually they rallied behind him when he helped them against the Philistines. Eventually that king failed, just like God said would happen that he will fail and misuse his power and everything like that. And he got replaced by King David. David was a good king, but he also failed at points. But the Heavenly Father made a promise to him, made an oath to him and said that he will set up his sons after him as king. In other words, the royal lineage was going to be always from David. And that's why Christ comes from the lineage of who? David. When you read in the book of Matthew, Luke, or wherever, it says, Thou son of David, because the Most High was making sure that we understood where our king was going to come from, that he was going to select him and choose him. That's why there's so many prophecies letting us know the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, his teachings, and even the lineage that he was going to come from. Not just from David, but even after David, the Heavenly Father kept pointing out from what house what family of David he was going to come from. When it says here, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, that should give us the understanding. It's the Heavenly Father who chooses kings, presidents, etc. Even in ancient time, there were presidents in the Bible. And that was not the highest position of a kingdom. That's something that we'll deal with maybe another time. It says... Hold on, before we move forward. Now think about it. If that wasn't the highest position of a kingdom in ancient times, then that means that the person you're thinking as the leader of the United States or the leader of whatever country, and he's being called president, and that's not the highest title, then who's above him? <laughs> that means there's some people above him. As we continue reading, it says, One from among thy brethren, our leader cannot be someone we don't know. It must be one from among thy brethren. What do I mean by thy brethren? Meaning he must be an Israelite. 
It letting us know that Christ was going to be one of us, one of our brethren. Christ was an Israelite from the tribe of Judah. One from among thy brethren shall thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. When our people are voting, are they voting for one of our brethren, an Israelite man of faith? To rule us according to the laws of God? Or are they choosing strangers, meaning people of other nations, heathens? When you're thinking of voting for Biden or voting for Trump, you are literally breaking this law because there's no way that they could be our brethren. That's why they don't have our people in their best interest. When you voted for Obama, you like, well, he, he was a brother. He was a brother. You know, he was black. Obama did not consider himself an Israelite. Obama does not believe in the scriptures. Obama even knows about Israel, to be honest. There was a movie where it showed him making ridicule of Israelites. Therefore, he is not our brother. He's still a stranger. He's living as a heathen. A brother is someone that is an Israelite. Our people, the so-called blacks, the so-called Hispanics, the so-called Native Americans, we are, in fact, the children of Israel. But that doesn't mean because you're Israel by blood that you are a brother. To be a brother is someone that's going to keep the commandments, someone that's going to walk in the laws of the Most High. When the Heavenly Father said, one from among thy brethren, amen, is going to be someone that was righteous. That's why when you look at Christ, he was perfect in the laws. He was righteous. That's why he's known as the king of righteousness. Because he indeed is our brother. Do you think Obama would give his life for yours? No. Do you think anybody that is in the ballots are going to give their lives for yours? No. Christ paid the depth of our sins so that we have a chance to come back to the Most High and be partakers of the glory and kingdom that he will have. That is a brother. That is a brother. This is the law teaching us we cannot set a stranger over us. This is why it's not lawful for us to vote and say this person is our leader. Let's go back to the book of Romans chapter 9. Because who is our brother? Romans chapter 9. Who is our brethren? In Romans chapter 9 and verse 3, it says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. There's a lot of people, so-called blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans, that according to the flesh, they are our brothers. They are our kinsmen, our relatives. Paul is saying he wished he could be cursed for his people, for his brothers, for his family, for his brethren. Verse 4 says, who are Israelites, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants, the agreements. What do I mean by adoption? Some brothers and sisters don't know the Israel, but once they find out the Israel, they could be adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. They could come back. Paul was willing to have Christ curse him and take the punishment of Israel upon himself 
instead of us as a people suffering, right? Just like Christ did. He said, if I could, I would do the same. To us belongs the adoption of sons and daughters. The glory of the kingdom belongs to us. The covenants, meaning the agreements, belong to us. And the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. That's who your brothers are. Was Obama calling himself an Israelite? Absolutely not. Was he keeping the laws? Absolutely not. What was Obama doing? He was spreading homosexuality throughout the world. That's why you can't set up a person that lives their life like a stranger, like a heathen or like a publican. Let's go to the book of St. John, chapter 15. Because I know for a fact Obama would have not died for me. You have all these black men being killed during his presidency and he had just a few words to say. He couldn't do nothing. You had in the 60s, in a more racist time period, President stepping in and making the changes in the laws, having the federal government change, and even using force if they had to, using the military, well, not technically the military, but the the National Guard, to enforce some of the laws that they put in. But what Obama did, well, you know, just believe, just believe, change, change, and you Voted for him and you thought something was going to happen. A lot of our people, especially the young, know not to vote because they know it doesn't do anything for our communities. It doesn't do anything for our people. But the problem is, is that sometimes they get bombarded by advertisement. They get bombarded by these celebrities that get paid to convince you to vote. What the hell is a celebrity doing? Telling me what to do with my life. What they know. You know what I'm saying? You got these rappers talking about, yo, vote, vote. You had P. Diddy or Puffy or whatever his name was selling t-shirts, making profit off of you. Talking about vote or die. They should have said vote and die. Because that's exactly what happened to our people. They voted and what they got? Death. No justice. Instead, police brutality, death. And all types of things that is covert and done against our people. All this media and propaganda being used and making it seem like it's an urgency that you must vote. Every few presidents, oh, this time we gotta vote. Oh, this time we gotta vote. Yeah, because this time they want you to sin. And that next time they want you to sin. So before it was because Bush was such a horrible, a horrible president, we gotta vote. He still got the eight years. The next time it was, oh, you're getting a black guy now, so just vote. And you voted. And then this time, vote because Trump is such a horrible president and racist. And you feel like you must save the world with your vote, huh? You ain't saving the world. The one that's going to save the world of Israel is Christ. So you have to understand that this is Satan's kingdom. And as long as it continues being Satan's kingdom, this is not really your country. The scriptures teach you to look forward to the country of God that will come in this earth. Not you have to die and make it to heaven. No, it will be in this earth. It might not be in our generation. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is that the prophecies are coming to pass. Did we come here in slave ships? That was prophecy. 
Did our people get a king? That was also prophecy. When you look at St. John 15, I'm going to start at verse 14. This is Christ speaking. In St. John 15 and 14, it says, Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. What did Christ command us? To keep God's commandment. To keep God's laws. Anyone that calls himself a Christian and goes voting, they're not a friend of Christ. They are the friend of the world. They are the friend of Satan. Verse 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. We have the scriptures to teach us what is actually happening. Our forefathers, when they were in the Babylonian time period, as the lessons we've been going over, they knew what the next empire was going to be. They knew it was going to be the Persians. They knew that after the Persians was going to be the Greeks. They knew that after the Greeks was going to be the Romans. And we knew that the Roman Empire was going to fall. And for a thousand years, we were going to rule. And that happened. But we also knew that the Roman Empire was going to revive and come back. What are we living in? Exactly that. A nation that is built on the same principles as the Roman Empire. Slavery, senators, and a government where they select or elect an official to be over them. And they claim it's democracy, but it's not really. Let me mention something real quick that most people might not know. A lot of the Greek philosophers did not agree with democracy. Do y'all know that? They spoke and wrote against it. Why they don't teach us that in schools? And you know why they didn't agree with it? It's because they said that democracy would lead to tyranny. Isn't that what we see all the time? Exactly that. And that only a chosen few people will actually rule. Not the majority, not the demos, not the people. We know what our Lord is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. What is one thing that Christ made known to us? One thing that Christ made known unto us is his death and the purpose of his death. It says here in verse 13, Greater love have no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. Not only is Christ our brother, he's more than that. He dealt with us friendly. He sacrificed his life for us, for our sins. He did not commit sin, but he suffered as a sinner because of us. Obama won't go through that. Trump won't go through that. Biden won't go through that. And no president that would exist would go through that. They always look out for their own interests, for the corporations. Look at the coronavirus. We should have a lesson called Corona Lessons. Because instead of a virus, you're learning lessons. What are you learning? All this time, you could have been educating your own children. Instead of complaining and trying to vote someone to fix the education system, you are responsible for your own children's education. That's what the Corona Lesson gave you. What else you learn? They got money. They got money to bail out people if they wanted to. But they choose instead to bail out corporations, businesses. Why would they bail out businesses? Because by you having the business still present, you will have labor. The people will be attached to the companies and will be continually a slave to what? The system. That's why they will bail out the banks and not the people that are faulting in their mortgages. 
Think about this, people. So you don't need physical shackles because the system is the shackle. Either you follow it and become what you think is successful, the American dream, or you go into poverty, homelessness, and etc. Now you see how with the coronavirus, many people are suffering almost those conditions, which was created by who? The same government that's supposed to be ruled by you. From here, let's go to Colossians chapter 1, and let's read from verse 15. Colossians 1 and 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God? In other words, Christ is the representative of the Most High. He's the mediator. And when we look at Christ, we're looking at someone that is perfect, someone that will not commit sin, someone that will give us justice. So the firstborn of every creature. Christ is not the Heavenly Father. Christ is the firstborn, meaning the first thing created by the Most High. He was the first thing to ever be made by the Most High. For by him, meaning for by Christ, were all things created. In the creation, when you read Genesis chapter 1, the Heavenly Father gave the commandment, Christ and the angels performed it. That are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, whether they be thrones. Here it is that when we read this verse, it's letting you know that at the end of the day, the one that's picking who's going to rule is God. And he's given that power to Christ. In ancient Israel, we knew that. When the children of Israel were in the Babylonian slavery, the prophet Daniel was told by Christ himself, because Christ came to him, and told him, look, this is how many kings are going to be in the Persian Empire. I was the one that helped set up this Persian Empire and take down the Babylonians. Because they were only to rule 70 years. We have scriptural proof that Christ is working in the back. Our Lord has let us know what is happening. So it doesn't matter whether it's bidding or Trump. It's still going to be the same Babylon. It's still going to be the same wickedness. We know that certain prophecies must be fulfilled before we could get the kingdom. One of the things that he told us, that our Lord told us, that we are the kingdom. Me and you. And as we build ourselves up spiritually, scripturally, and we keep the commandments, and we teach our people how to walk in his ways, we're building a kingdom within a kingdom. And eventually, the kingdom of heaven will be established when Christ returns in the second coming. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And for him. So with that, I want to give all praise and honor to the Most High in Christ. And I hope you brothers and sisters understand that you don't have to go seeking to make this a better nation. Seek to make yourself better. Seek to make your household better, your families better. Seek to make your people better. And that will really be the solution that you will find in the scriptures. Shalom. We want to give all praises to the Most High in Christ. And remind you to subscribe at our website, 12tribes.net, to receive notifications of all our content, such as videos, newsletters, reports, and podcasts.
Yeah, 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 yeah. I love you, 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 you